0: Thank you for joining us, episode 806 of I Doubt It podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. Joined today, the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page.
2: We have had an eventful few days with the Poor People's Campaign March on Saturday, which you have put a video up showing the interviews that you did with various people. Some of them. And then... It was my birthday as well.
0: Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah.
2: And your birthday is coming up. Monday. Very exciting. So we have some, (laughs) a lot of June festivities. We do. But the Poor People's Campaign March was fantastic. The day before it was like 97 degrees and the heat index was over 100. Yeah. So we were terrified that we were going to be out there filming for hours in the 100-degree heat. Thankfully, that was not the case. It was a beautiful day, although the wind was kind of beating our asses in the beginning. At the
0: very beginning, for sure.
2: Things definitely...
0: Sorry, I'm yawning.
2: <laughs> Things, see, I was pausing for no, edit no. purposes. And... Nah. Okay. We, we... We've been doing this
0: too long for me to edit out a yawn, Brittany Page. We
2: aren't going to talk about how you haven't been feeling well, but...
0: Let's talk about it. We, we can talk about it. So, I went I went to the doctor, and I don't know if any... Well, I wanted to wait to talk about it, but we're here, so what if I can do it? Well, you're
2: it. yawning loudly into the mics and refusing to edit I, it out, so... <laughs> what? All
0: right. No, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's at like a, a post-COVID thing or whatever, but I happened to go to the doctor because um, I'm getting to the age where I need a colonoscopy done. So, I went in, well, I'll get it checked, and and they you're did a... past
2: the age where you get a colonoscopy
0: yeah 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 it's 45 yeah he, he said 50 but you know
2: he doesn't seem to know
0: he's an empty he's what's that <laughs> guy fucking know so anyway i got a bunch of blood work done a bunch of blood work done and i'm anemic and so i've been really fucking tired since covid but not in a covid way like when i stand up Several times a day, I have to like steady myself on a wall because I feel like I'm going to pass out. You know, if you stand up too quick, sometimes you're like, oh, shit, that was too quick. Mm-hmm. But it happens all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. So I got blood work done and whatever. And then he gave me a little envelope with a little sticky thing. I had to go shit in a, on a piece of paper in a <laughs> toilet and then get a sample from the poop oh. and mail it into him. Who knew that the mail is just trafficking human shit constantly? <laughs> So anyway, I'm, um, I'm tired. I've been tired lately. I get up in the morning. I do videos for YouTube and um, am wiped yeah. pretty early Pretty early, on. So, yeah.
2: so maybe
0: it's COVID related. Who knows? We'll see. We're getting to the bottom of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the blood work is pointing toward anemia. I think they're right now looking for why. Yeah. Well, look- I
0: went and got the test. That he says it looks like you're anemic just based on your levels of whatever. Come back in, we, we need a whole new panel of different blood tests to kind of pinpoint what the fuck's going on. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing.
2: Yes, so you're in the middle of that process now, and we're- I ho- mailed
0: off my poop today.
2: We're hopeful that it is just a, you know, supplement issue, that you just need to take some iron or whatever, and that will be that. Still tired. <laughs> so,
0: the- So the poor people's campaign march. <laughs> So can, can I talk about the the moment out in front talking to our neighbor, one of our neighbors a few houses down.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. So
0: we bump into one of our neighbors, great guy, former marine or not former, he's active. Yeah. And we're talking to him, and it's like, hey, what do you guys got planned this weekend? He's got his dog that this toothless, beautiful little little uh, uh, poodle or whatever it is. So we we start struck struck a, a conversation surrounding that. That's how we got to be friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to tell the entire story. Anytime I tell a story, apparently I know how it works. And uh, he's like, "Oh, what are you guys, What are you guys up to this weekend?" So, oh, we're giving dinner at friend's house, and and Saturday we're going to the poor people's march.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and he he like took a beat. It yeah. was like almost like a double take. Like is. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm maligning poor people or something. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, no, no. It's the Poor People's Campaign. It's the yes. the the mass low-wage worker and poor people's moral march on Washington and to the polls is like the full name of it. Uh-huh. And uh, it reminded me of that scene in 30 Rock when the Alec Baldwin character, Jack Donaghy, is dating the Selma Hyatt character. Yeah such a short arc i don't remember her name mm-hmm. and he's asking her because you know he's like republican racist weirdo guy
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the, he says the character the, the character yeah, well who knows it's Alec Baldwin. <laughs> who fucking knows <laughs> and so he asks uh the character jack donaghy asks his new puerto rican girlfriend what he can call her uh-huh. like what what are you what can i call you yeah she goes well i'm puerto rican hmm yeah, yeah, I know, but what can I call you? Uh-huh. She goes Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. He goes,
3: mm, that
0: that doesn't sound right.
2: Yeah, <laughs> because he uses that as a racial slur. Yeah, right. Because
0: yeah. to him, yeah. he's one of those guys when he talks about somebody of a different race, he like, um, you know, the Puerto Ricans. Like it's always in a yeah. negative. Yeah, it's in a negative framing where he has to whisper it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was that was definitely a funny moment, but I I think. My most prominent takeaway, and I know you didn't show all the different people that we talked to. There were many. It was awesome that so many people were willing to talk to us. Mm-hmm. But one one thing that stood out to me is you asked several people like if they had personal experience being a poor person or a low-wage worker. And I would say most people we talked to said no. But then in the course of you having a conversation with them, they would then say that they are like one paycheck away from losing everything or yeah. that they have no savings I'm glad or I-, I
0: noticed that too,
2: that they have like, they are just on the precipice of ruin financial ruin. And it was, it was strange to have people, I mean, in the moment having this dissonance where they aren't willing to admit that like, yes, I am a poor person yeah. or I am a low wage worker because there's so much stigma attached to being a poor person. But I think if you really are on the edge of financial ruin, which so many people are, that that would kind of put you in with that group, right? Yeah, or like am it, I... it would
0: create some semblance of solidarity where you're here to raise your voices with tens of thousands of other people. I don't know what the final count was, but there was a lot of people there.
2: Right and rather everybody's than,
0: here to support this particular movement.
2: Right, rather than thinking I'm not a part of the group necessarily, but I'm here, I'm here, here to, to support, support. that yeah, group, yeah, yeah. you know. That was That's why
0: I was freely talking about several people we spoke to who were not who like no no, I I grew up in a well-to-do family mm-hmm. and um I said, well, I come from the opposite situation. I come from poverty. I come from mm-hmm. a very poor background. Mm-hmm. And so I want to and really, this started a few years ago, where I—it's really come out of us talking about it so much to, mm-hmm. to normalize that it's because in our system, in our society, America, we we do stigmatize the poor, the certainly homeless, but even being low wage, paycheck to paycheck, it's everybody has the the mentality of fake it till you make it, and. And just put on airs of something you're actually not.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we,
0: we we need to collectively stop fucking doing that. Yeah, and I was guilty as anybody. I mean, all of the insecurities that I carry with me stem from not all of them, but many of the many insecurities I have do stem from uh, early childhood poverty. I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So,
0: but it was a good time. Yeah. Great movement you should get involved if this is something you're passionate about go to poorpeoplescampaign.org and see what you can do to get involved
2: yeah cuz this isn't just a one time thing they have events throughout the nation uh throughout the year and there were people from all over the country uh, in Washington so it was it was really moving i know when I first kind of stepped over the line into the crowd of people, I there was a wave of emotion because of all the different signs yeah. and um, people just talking about their right to live and not have to struggle to survive and how we just are not looking at things and prioritizing the most important things, which is that people shouldn't be living these lives of suffering and barely making it. Like, we have the ability to change that, and we should change that. It, it, it's unacceptable that anyone is living in poverty, that anyone is homeless. It, it's unacceptable. I don't understand. It's,
0: especially when considering we have an almost $1 trillion yearly Pentagon budget.
2: Yeah and there were a lot of signs about yeah. that which I really loved.
0: Money money for wars but no mo- no money for people, no mm-hmm. money for humans. Mm-hmm. It's um it's a moral failing. It's disgusting. It's sinister. It's pernicious. It's fucking gross.
2: So it's a great Great movement. Definitely get involved if you can. And we also had an election here in D.C. yesterday. So we voted for the first time as D.C. residents yesterday. It was very exciting. Several of the people I voted for didn't win, but that's okay. Uh, (laughs) Win some, you lose some. You know what I mean?
0: Well, you know what it did tell me is just how many just run-of-the-mill, milk toast corporate Democrats there are in the city Mm -hmm. that Muriel Bowser the the governor or the, the the mayor she should be a governor since it should be a state <laughs> uh, she she won pretty handily oh yeah t- to to a guy who really as is actually progressive and this is during a time when we 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 talk about policing so much and she's just openly pledging to just hire more police and not divert some of those funds into nonviolent uh, intervention type methods of dealing with um social problems
2: well absolutely and now that we live here we know there are shootings that happen all the time i I would say every day at least is that right yeah sure maybe several times a day
0: yeah and well and also right on around our block
2: right but i i think there are shootings at least every day and they are oftentimes in highly policed areas right like they will be in on the corners where there are cops on every block.
0: They just sit with their lights on, sit with their cars running with their lights going. Mm-hmm. No no, sirens, but just their lights going. To
2: like illustrate yeah, that they're there.
0: But it's not a deterrent. Great. Right. Hiring more What is that going to do? You need to do it sm- anyway. You need to do it smartly. I hope uh Muriel Bowser uh gets her shit together cuz it is almost guaranteed she's going to be going to be mayor again because there's no real viable Republican running
2: yeah well and we have the same issue here in DC as many other cities with the overdose crisis and that is something that they could be funneling funds toward as well right investing in harm reduction services like the supervised injection sites in New York City for example um increasing access to Narcan or having teams that respond to uh reports of overdose rather than sending the police so it it is disappointing but you know it was uh nice to actually get out there and vote and i hope that everyone is making sure that they are registered before their day to vote and that you are getting the people around you to vote and making sure that you are active and involved and getting it done
0: all right well we'd love to hear from you 657-464 7609, of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com.
3: I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast.
4: We
2: would like to thank our two new Patreon supporters, Dave C. Dave C. And Michael M.
0: Michael M.
2: Thank you so much to our new Patreon supporters, our existing Patreon supporters. Remember that our end of the month Zoom hangout is going to be this Saturday, June 25th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So, you can figure out what time that is for you. Look for the Zoom link that will be sent out through Patreon. I'm going to try to get it out a little bit earlier this time because I think Patreon is having some problems related to getting the message out.
0: So, when you click send, it doesn't send right away.
2: Sometimes it won't show me that it has sent for 20 minutes. Oh, shit. And and I don't know.
0: Halfway through the call. Yeah. I don't
2: know if it means that. It hasn't gone out in 20 minutes or it's just not showing me that it's gone out for 20 minutes. We can also
0: do the thing where we schedule that. Usually we just have the call up and running and then we send the link. We can schedule the call ahead of time. Yeah. We should do that. Yeah. We should be more professional. Yes. About what we do.
2: Yes. So please join us for that if you are in the the tier for that. Uh, Otherwise, thank you so much for your support and we appreciate all of you.
0: democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism so we have been talking about the continuation of mass shootings in this country we have been talking specifically about the uvalde texas shooting at the elementary school the 19 children and two teachers were murdered in cold blood i don't think there's any other way to murder a child but in cold blood and there has been a disgusting amount of subterfuge, of distraction, of diversion, of straight-out lying about the role that police had in the continue in making the massacre even worse than it was, or what even worse than it could have been.
2: Lying and also withholding information. And- well,
0: for me, it's one and the same. If you're trying to keep the truth from the public, just it is, it is not being true to what they claim to be. Servants of the public, protectors of the public, they are doing none of that. In fact, they're going out of their way to ensure that none of us know the truth, that the truth doesn't see the light of day.
2: So the director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Steve McCraw, held a press conference and was very direct about his views of the police response, calling it an abject failure.
5: There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there were a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander, who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. The officers had weapons. The children had none. The officers had body armor. The children had none.
0: The officers had training. The subject had none. Really makes me wonder... Because I just generally distrust police because they've proven themselves time and time and time and time and time and time again to be liars. I wonder if now that they know the information is just, there's no, it's unavoidable. The information's going to come out. And I'm wondering if now state officials are like, all right, well, we're just going to throw everybody under the bus. Or if they are just now learning some of the details that we're learning publicly,
2: did you did you hear about what the mayor said?
0: No, what did he say?
2: That he's going to start throwing people under the bus and he was actually critical of the guy that you just heard talking, McCraw, um because he says that he's not admitting that his own officers were there. So the mayor of Uvalde is kind of going head to head with this guy that you just heard talking. The, again, the uh, director of the Texas Department of Public Safety, Steve McCraw. And there's a lot of infighting right now because there's a lot of pointed fingers saying that, you know, you were there too, but you're not admitting wrongdoing. And the mayor came out and said there were eight law enforcement agencies at the school that day and that you have all of these various law enforcement agencies that are not being forthcoming. Right.
0: No, I believe that to be true.
2: Right. So while it is nice to be hearing this from Steve McCraw, because it feels nice to hear someone in a position of power saying what we all think, that the police response was a failure. Yeah. You also have to wonder, what is this guy not saying? What is he sure. not telling us? And we did learn one more thing from his press conference, which was that, you know, all the talk about the cops waiting for the keys and the door was locked and they couldn't get in and they were trying to figure out how to get in. They had to wait for, I believe it was a janitor that they claimed gave them the key to unlock the door
0: to the classroom, right? Right. Yeah. Well, first it was the door leading outside the school that they lied and said a teacher had propped open Mm -hmm. when indeed that was a lie. It was a fucking lie. The door was actually shut and locked. Now we're talking about a different door. The actual door to the classroom that they said was locked and they couldn't get into with this key that you just talked about.
2: And apparently the door was never locked at all.
0: There's many
5: references by Chief Arredondo about the door being locked and. Needing keys and more keys and a master key and just constant references to keys. But is there any evidence whatsoever that shows through the video uh, as it was examined later that the door was ever? that there was an attempt to open the door or test whether or not it was locked. We could never see anybody put their hand on the door, and of course, up until until the breach. And then at the last, at the breach, we've gone back and talked to the breachers, re-interviewed the breachers, and they said, no, they didn't try the door handle beforehand.
0: So here's here's what's interesting to me, is that these strange standards, different standards for different types of police operations... When they go to serve a warrant at, let's say, Breonna Taylor's house, do they knock on the door, try the door, and then walk away because no key? Oh, sorry. Sorry, judge who signed our warrant. We were unable to serve the warrant. We're unable to do the search that we intended to do because the door was locked. Sorry, judge who signed this eviction notice. We were unable to carry out the order of the court to evict these people who haven't been paying their rent because we didn't know oh, the door was locked. Doesn't stop them then. So, why should it? Why do they need keys now to save 19 lives of children? Sorry, couldn't save them. Door was locked. Just, it doesn't ring true.
2: Well, and I wonder if this is finally going to be. a a moment for people at least some people who have been reticent up until now to accept that police lie and aren't forthcoming and ultimately want to cover their own ass if this is going to be a moment where some people just like the the moment where george floyd i think convinced a lot of people to come out and support black lives matter and start questioning the narrative that police float i wonder if this will be another little crack in that facade where police have less support going forward because they're, they're being caught in another lie.
0: I think all it takes is for, like you said, the facade to be cracked just slightly to where people will, there'll be just that, that, that mustard grain mustard seed of doubt. Like, mm. well, remember last time, I mean, the George Floyd thing compounded with the Uvalde thing. Maybe people will start opening up their eyes that Cops aren't just automatically heroes because they put on a uniform and a badge and have a gun. Yeah. That is not the makings of a hero. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about all of this. 657-464-7609. You can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. So yesterday was another day of hearings from the House Select Committee investigating the insurrection on January 6, 2021. The attempted overthrow of the United States government by way of overturning a free and fair, settled Democratic American election. And a lot of stuff. Every single day of the... I am very pleased with how they're carrying these, these hearings out. But every day that they do public hearings, we learn something new that is maybe not shocking but just like a oh my god this thing was an organized movement to try to keep donald trump in power even though they knew they knew they've demonst- the committee has demonstrated that they knew they lost and they still wanted to stay in power by any means necessary
2: so this fourth hearing really focused on Donald Trump and his allies and the pressure that they put on Republican officials in states, What they focused on Arizona and Georgia.
0: At this hearing, yeah.
2: In this hearing, uh, to have officials in those states reverse his loss, but also the plan to have these fake electors appointed and... People are calling them alternate electors, but I think it's important to call them fake electors because they were just going to be people that were handpicked to support this plan and support Donald Trump regardless of of what the votes suggested.
0: And it really came... They made public a lot of things we didn't really know before relative to just how sinister the plan was because not only were they being deceptive about what the fake electors would do they filed with the national archives and records administration they sent them to washington trying to get them in the hands of mike pence they filed with the state as though they were a legitimate alternate set of electors even though there is no alternate set of electors they also lied to the actual electors and told them no, 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 no. This is just in the case that this goes to court and the 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 election is reversed. Then we'll have the slate of electors. There was all of these lies and these this criminal conspiracy entered into, um, in a in a uh, in an effort to overturn the election. It, it, it it's crazy, and it's through the work of the committee. And I think it's good work that they're they're painting the picture in a way that is consumable to your average American watching the hearings.
2: Yeah, so the people that testified during the fourth committee hearing, the first was Arizona House Speaker Rusty Bowers, and then we also had your favorite, Jesse, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, <laughs> and his chief operating officer, Gabrielle Sterling. Can
0: I also say
2: gabriel sterling
0: can i also say that uh i've been listening on cnn and different networks i'm not hearing the p that anybody says everybody really just kind of brushes by and it almost sounds like burger
2: i i would agree i think that adam schiff certainly during his questioning i think it sounded like a b as well yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) um you also had he should just
0: have an easier name
2: uh, okay you also had the former Fulton County Georgia election worker Shay Moss who testified as well very and, emotional and her mother testifying about the threats to their personal safety and the way that their lives have been changed because of the harassment campaign
0: instigated by Donald Trump
2: instigated by Donald Trump continued by his his supporters which are I mean it's terrible what, what has happened to them
0: so, I was watching videos today online of Kanye West's publicist or somebody representing Kanye West threatening them Mm. that they were going to be in legal jeopardy within 48 hours if they didn't admit to their scheme. I'm just insane this this organized pressure campaign to overturn this election.
2: Yeah so the first thing we want to focus on is that these people with the uh, two election workers aside the three men that we talked about that testified these are
0: Trump supporters. Voted for Trump in 2016, voted for, for Trump in 2020.
2: And not just Trump supporters, but Rusty Bowers is someone who, at the hearing, said that his faith dictates that the Constitution is divinely inspired. He's
0: one of those type of Republicans.
2: And he's testifying like, at this hearing.
0: Devout Mormon dude. Yes. The Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives. It really did, when you like you're talking about that moment, he got emotional about it.
6: First of all, when the people, and in Arizona, I believe it some 40-plus years earlier, the legislature had established the manner of electing our officials, or the electors for the presidential race. Once it was given to the people, as in Bush v. Gore, illustrated by the Supreme Court, it becomes a fundamental right of the people. So as far as I was concerned, for someone to ask me, in the, I would call it a paucity, there was no no evidence being presented of any strength. Evidence can be hearsay evidence, it's still evidence, but it's still hearsay. But strong judicial quality evidence, anything that would say to me, you have a doubt, deny your oath. I will not do that. And on more than... on more than one occasion throughout all this that has been brought up and it is a tenet of my faith that the Constitution is divinely inspired of my most basic foundational beliefs. And so for me to do that because somebody just asked me to is foreign to my very being. I, I, I will not do it.
2: This is not a liberal.
6: Yeah.
0: This
2: is not a progressive. (laughs) This is not AOC. (laughs) Whatever the radicals on Fox News want to try to say, I know they're not really talking about the hearings, you know, but if they were, I'm sure that their next approach would be to. He's a rhino. Yeah, attack these people as not being uh, genuine Republicans. And I think everything that you just heard there would suggest that this person is very conservative and very genuine in those conservative beliefs, so much so that he believes the Constitution is divinely inspired.
0: It, it was interesting watching his testimony because he really didn't pull any punches. And it sounds, I mean, if he is if he is recreating the conversations, if he is representing the conversations that he had with both Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, sometimes at the same time, if he's representing them accurately, he didn't even pull any punches with them. He was telling them, no, I'm, I'm just not going to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But there, he, he talked several times about Rudy saying he had evidence and then what, where's the evidence? And then Rudy said, oh, we don't have any evidence, but it's a theory. But then earlier, Rudy did say they had evidence. But there was a lot of talk about this scheme that we just talked about with the fake
6: electors. That I would allow an official committee at, at the Capitol so that they could hear this evidence and that we could take action thereafter. Um, And I refused. I said, up to that time, the the circus, I called it a circus, had been brewing with uh, lots of demonstrations, both at the Counting Center, at the Capitol, and other places, and I didn't want to have that in the house. I, I did not feel that the evidence, granted in its absence, merited a hearing, and I didn't want to be used as a pawn. Uh, if there was some other need that the, uh, that the committee hearing would fulfill. Um, so that was the first ask, that we ha- hold an official committee hearing.
7: And what was his second ask?
6: I, I said, to what end? To what end the hearing? He said, well, we have heard by an official high up in the Republican uh, legislature that there is a legal theory or a legal ability in Arizona that you can remove the, um, the electors of President Biden and replace them. And we would, we would like to have the legitimate opportunity through the committee to come to that end and, and remove that. And I said, that's, that's, I've, that's totally new to me. I've never heard of any such thing and he pressed that point, and I said, look, you are asking me to do something that is counter to my oath when I swore to the Constitution to uphold it, and I also swore to the Constitution and the laws of the state of Arizona, and this is totally foreign as an idea or a theory to me, and I would never do anything of such magnitude without deep consultation with qualified attorneys. And I said, I've got some good attorneys and I'm going to give you their names. Uh, but you're asking me to do something against my oath and I will not break my oath.
2: I kind of loved this because <laughs> he's like, and I told him, listen, I would never do anything against my oath ever because what you're asking me to do is wrong and it's against my oath. But let me talk to my lawyers, okay? And we'll see.
0: Well, he he pulled the Mike Pence. <laughs> well, I can legally finagle it within my own mind to, to consider it not giving up my oath. And yeah, I'm all I'm on board. Yeah. Which is what the problem is with all of these people like, Liz Cheney, 2024? Question mark. No. Mike Pence, 2024? Question mark. No. Oh, they're heroes. Eh, let's calm the fuck down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so even this this Russell Bowers guy,
3: uh-huh. not not
0: a hero. He just did his fucking job. Didn't break the law. Doesn't make you a hero. Well, you know, also, I didn't rob a bank today. Yeah. Does that make me a hero?
2: Yeah, and I mean it's it's nice when people can look back on a situation and say like. I took an oath, and this was against my principles. At the same time, we we do hear in these answers little glimpses that it really also is a fear of consequences. And when he starts talking about how he would never do something like that without first talking to his attorney, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's giving some room where he didn't just explicitly say, no, this is against my principles, against my oath.
0: I, I do think that there is some utility in it though because it does shine a light on the people who were willing um through whatever justifications in their mind were willing to jettison their their oath to the constitution were willing to um step away from any honor any loyalty to the country like rudy giuliani like donald trump like john eastman like so many of these others who are in the trump orbit this guy is really it's a, it's a juxtaposition that can't be ignored, even though you know, he's not fully being honorable about it.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. And you can see that even in how he requested evidence of Rudy Giuliani's claims of election fraud, for example.
7: At some point, did uh, one of them uh, make a comment that uh, they didn't have evidence, but they had a lot of theories? That was Mr.
6: Giuliani. And and what exactly did he say and how that came up? My recollection, he said, we've got lots of theories. We just don't have the evidence. And I don't know if that was a gaffe or maybe he, he didn't think through what he said. But both myself and others in my group, the three in my group and my my counsel both remembered that specifically. And afterwards, we kind of laughed about it.
0: For me, this was a great moment because it's him like, oh, yeah, we were laughing at those fucking idiots.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We
0: we had a good laugh at their expense. These assholes.
2: Yeah. Well, and he testified that he repeatedly asked Rudy Giuliani for evidence to back up the claims of of election fraud, specifically that thousands of dead people were voting. Five
0: to six thousand dead people and roughly 200,000 undocumented immigrants.
2: Right. That was the claim in Arizona. And he never provided the evidence. I mean, this was still... This was happening with the... When they appeared in front of that lawn company. What was oh, that Oh, yeah, thing? in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, this whole time they've been claiming... Four Seasons
0: Lawn Care. Yeah, that... <laughs> <laughs> It's a fucking shit show up and down. Yeah,
2: the whole time they've been claiming that they have evidence. The whole time they've never provided evidence. So,
0: Listen, it's not that they didn't just provide evidence to the American people. They didn't provide evidence even to the people that they believed could make a difference. Mm -hmm. They believed Rusty Bowers, Russell Bowers, could change the outcome of the election in Arizona. They went to him to have him do that, and they wouldn't provide him evidence. He asked them multiple times, at least twice. Where is evidence? Show me evidence of the 200,000. Show me evidence of the 4 to 5,000 or 5 to 6,000 or whatever it was dead people. Rudy said, "Yes, I will do that for you." Never gave it. So come on.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think you made a point earlier about one thing the committee has done very well is they have shown that Donald Trump was aware that this was illegal and that This was something that he was aware of was illegal. The the people around him that were trying to push this scheme, they were aware it was illegal. And this came out yet again during this hearing when Mark Meadows, his, his former aide, testified that both Mark Meadows and Rudy Giuliani were told that the fake electors scheme was not legally sound.
8: The committee learned the White House Counsel's Office also felt the plan was potentially legal.
0: And so to be clear, did you hear the White House Counsel's Office say that um, this plan to have alternate electors meet and cast votes for Donald Trump in states that he had lost was not legally sound? Yes, sir. And who was present for that meeting that you remember?
8: Mr. It was in our office. It was Mr. Meadows, Mr. Giuliani, and a few of Mr. Giuliani's associates.
2: The select committee interviewed. I'm a little worried about this former aide to Mark Meadows. I don't know why, but it just seems like, I don't know, I'm worried about anyone She's who's- in over her head. Yeah, coming in and giving all the deets like this, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I was in the meeting and here's who was in the meeting and this is what they said.
0: Well, you know what? She made a choice to work for Mark Meadows, so-
2: yeah, I'm not. I you mean, you get
0: what you get, lady. I'm
2: saying I'm worried about them, but I'm not really worried about <laughs> them. It's just a little like uh, it has to be nerve wracking for them, right? You right, know? Right, right. And <laughs> I can imagine being in that position of you're being recorded, it's being played for millions of people, and you. I mean, yeah, she was involved in bad shit, yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I don't really feel that bad for her. But it just has to be nerve wracking.
0: Well, especially when all the evidence was laid out throughout this entire hearing, even uh, Rusty Bowers, the the speaker of the Arizona House, was talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of death threats. People showing up at his house armed, brandishing weapons at him and his neighbors. Yeah. Fucking psycho shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is just the world we live in now with Donald Trump inciting insurrections, inciting violence against speakers of state legislatures, Mm -hmm. all in an effort to try to stay in power. Yeah. Well, the other thing that came out uh, involved just how far actual members of Congress went to try to make this plan come to fruition. Ron Johnson text messages were released.
2: Republican senator from Wisconsin. Right.
0: Republican senator and used to be kind of a just a fucking boring generic white guy senator from Wisconsin, just a former businessman who really showed his true colors during all of this. Like there were times where Manu Raju was screaming at him, "Hey, so is Joe Biden the president?" And he would say something and march into a room. Like try to he's a guy who tries to duck into I have several clips of him of trying to open up just random doors to get away from reporters in hallways and they're (laughs) locked. He's like, fuck yesterday. He was being chased by reporters asking him questions and he was faking like he was on the phone. Like he had his iPhone up to his head (laughs) and you can hear the reporter say, I can see your screen. You're not on the phone. I know you're not on the phone. So he's really amazing. Now he's dodging like crazy. And, this plot that he was involved in to try to get an envelope to 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 uh, mike pence prior to the to the certification prior to the insurrection was just laid bare
8: documents produced to the select committee show that the trump campaign took steps to ensure that the physical copies of the fake electors electoral votes from two states were delivered to washington for january 6th Text messages exchanged between Republican Party officials in Wisconsin show that on January 4th, the Trump campaign asked for someone to fly their fake electors documents to Washington. A staffer for Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson texted the staffer for Vice President Pence just minutes before the beginning of the joint session. This staffer stated that Senator Johnson wished to hand deliver to the Vice President the fake electors votes from Michigan and Wisconsin. The vice president's aide unambiguously instructed them not to deliver the fake votes to the vice president. Even though the fake elector slates were transmitted to Congress and the executive branch, the vice president held firm in his position that his role was to count lawfully submitted electoral votes.
7: Joseph R. Biden Jr. of the state of Delaware has received 306 votes. Donald J. Trump of the state of Florida has received 232 votes
8: which is what he did when the joint session resumed on January 6th after the attack on the Capitol.
2: So unfortunately, Ron Johnson has some wiggle room here because according to these text messages, it is an aide for Ron Johnson talking to an aide for Mike Pence. So this is the little loophole that he is making himself comfortable in when he responds to reporters.
0: But he's he's admitting that it happened. He's just saying it's a staff-to-staff thing. And also, the excuses that they're giving, that he gives when he gets confronted by Manu Raju out on the, on the, on the Capitol uh, complex, don't jive with what we've heard
3: prior. Senator Johnson has since responded to this. For that, we go to our chief congressional correspondent, Manu Raju. Manu, you caught up with Senator Johnson outside the Capitol. What did he have to say about this slate of fraudulent electors?
1: Well, he acknowledges that in the morning of January 6th, he, in fact, was aware that his chief of staff had reached out to Mike Pence's office to try to deliver them this slate of electors. But he also contends that he does not know the genesis of this push to potentially provide new electors from the states of Michigan and Wisconsin, says he has, quote, no idea the person that was behind it. Uh, He also says that he had no involvement whatsoever other than a very brief interaction he had with his staff member who tried to deliver this to the vice president's office who rejected it. This is what he said. Why was he even asking for that? Because somebody delivered this to our office and asked to deliver that to the vice president.
3: Did you support the, his efforts to try to get those slates to the vice president?
5: No. I, I, I had no knowledge of this. Who was the person I, I no, deliver- I, you know I, I had no involvement in an ultimate slate of, uh, slate of electors. I had no idea this thing would be delivered to us. Got delivered staff to staff. My chief staff did the right thing. Contacted the vice president's staff. Uh, they said they didn't want it, so we didn't deliver it. Who's the that's person? Again, that's the end of the story.
1: Did who's you, the person that delivered it to your I, office? I have no idea. And I also just asked him moments ago whether or not he would try to find out the identity of the person behind this. He indicated no interest in doing that. And I also asked him, Jake, just moments ago about why not, you know, why exactly offer something to the vice president without vetting this information. He went on to say, we got handed an envelope that was supposed to go to the vice president. I didn't know. I didn't know about it. So we just called up the vice president and offered it. He claimed it came from a House office initially, but he also said, He didn't know who which house office provided it so a lot more questions than answers after my interaction multiple times with ron johnson tonight
0: so that's not the full clip the full clip of him walking across the lawn is him saying it was from some unnamed unknown intern in an unnamed unknown house office so both his press secretary a former trump staffer and his chief of staff a former Trump staffer don't know the identity of the intern, but they took the paperwork to give to the vice president of the United States of America from an unnamed unknown intern in an unknown unnamed congressional office. That makes no fucking sense that a Senate office chief of staff, it's not some legislative aid, It's not some person who answers the calls. It's not a scheduler. It's the chief of staff is taking documents from some rando to give to the vice president of the United States of America. None of this plays well. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. And the other part is toward the end of the clip that Manu Raju didn't play is where he's imploring these journalists to leave him alone.
5: Why wasn't the capitol secured? You know, who's in charge of that security? This is a total partisan witch hunt uh, and you know I was, not, I was not involved in this at all, you know you So I don't know why you're even asking the questions. If the so why don't you just leave me alone? If the committee reaches out and they want.
0: So why don't you just leave me alone? Ron Johnson says to reporters who are doing their constitutionally protected duty to report on these important matters of state. Um, especially related to an attempt to overthrow the United States government that Ron Johnson seems uh, very, very involved in.
2: Sounds like he has uh, nothing to worry about. (laughs)
0: Right. He was walking as fast as he could while this gaggle of reporters followed him across the complex.
2: Got to be a bummer once you get caught doing something bad.
0: So the other part of this, well, one, um, I don't know if this was mentioned, I don't recall, it wasn't just Wisconsin um, fake electors. It was also Michigan's f- fake electors that he was supposed to be delivering to Mike Pence. So the other part of this is the, the Brad Raffensperger. Raffensperger.
2: Puh, puh.
0: His, his, his role in this, and this is a call that we've heard already, but it is still alarming to hear a president of the United States asking to find 11,780 votes, which is just one more than we have. That's the quote. And for them to act like they weren't trying to overturn the election is just nonsense. And so the other portion of the testimony that was given this day was from Brad Raffensperger and um, his chief of staff, another high-ranking official in Georgia politics, uh, who also is a Republican?
9: Why wouldn't you want to find the right answer, Brad? Instead of keep saying that the numbers are right. So look, uh, can you get together tomorrow? And Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple, and uh, and everyone's going to look very good if the truth comes out. It's okay. It takes a little while, but let the truth come out. So and the tr- the real truth is, I won by four hundred thousand votes at least. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break.
7: Four days after the president's call to Secretary Raffensberger was January 6th.
2: So this is the other thing they're doing very well is connecting all of this directly to January 6th to the insurrection. And I mean, I remember when that call came out too. And that's been another remarkable aspect about these hearings is so much of the reporting that came out at the time when all this was happening has only been reinforced by all the additional information that we're learning through the hearings. And Although this call was remarkable at the time, hearing it again, it just makes it so clear that Donald Trump is in urgent need of consequences. And if he does not receive consequences for this, if, if the people around him, Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, I don't know what that I don't know what message that sends to people that rich people are protected from legal consequence
0: well i'll tell you what it'll do it's going to send a message to donald trump and donald trump supporters that if they'd had the evidence against donald trump he would actually done something wrong biden's justice department would have held him accountable it's going to be a campaign message Mm -hmm. It'll be another situation where he's saying, I'm totally exonerated, totally exonerated. If I had done anything wrong, if that wasn't a perfect phone call, they would have dragged me through the courts. But they didn't because I'm totally innocent. It's a failure on the part of the Joe Biden Justice Department led by Merrick Garland.
2: Yeah. Well, this this final clip from the hearings was just kind of a funny little tidbit that I mean, you you just think it would be like something from SNL, but it, instead it's not. It is <laughs> Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, and apparently he wanted to send Georgia election officials like presidential gear, like coins and like autographed. Stuff. Yeah, like
0: um, autographed MAGA hats. I read.
2: Yeah, in order to entice them into the illegal plan, I guess.
0: <laughs> you know how it works. Well, I don't really want to overthrow the United States government, but if you're going to give me a signed MAGA hat, I'm all over that. The subcommittee has
7: received text messages indicating that Mark Meadows wanted to send some of the investigators in her office. In the words of one White House aide, a shitload of POTUS stuff, including <laughs> coins, actual autographed MAGA hats, etc. White House staff intervened to make sure that didn't happen. It was clear at the time of this call that the former president had his sights set on January 6th.
2: So, that's uh, nothing that anyone would ever that's a, want or need.
0: I don't know, that's that's really sweetening the pot.
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> So you may remember on day one of the committee hearings, but we're going to take you all the way back to the first January 6th committee hearing right now, because you may remember we played and laughed at a clip from Ivanka Trump (laughs) talking about how she accepted what uh, former Attorney General Bill Barr said about how there was no election fraud, and she she said that she accepted what Bill Barr said. It was in real
0: legally careful language, though, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why we laughed, because it was like you could tell that it was painful for her to say that she, like, accepted what he was saying. And she didn't even clarify what they were asking her, or, like, didn't clarify yeah. what he was saying exactly. but
0: It was the bare minimum of what, of what could be considered a uh Uh, complete answer, an acceptable answer.
2: Yeah, so now there's this British filmmaker, Alex Holder, and he's going to be giving testimony for the January 6th committee. And similar to the documentarian who testified at the first committee hearing.
0: These these adults love having documentarian crews around them don't they they I, want to document fucking everything i guess they love the camera
2: yeah he is a turning over footage that he captured of the insurrection but also interviews that he conducted with the trump family members starting in january 2020 and then moving forward and there is reporting now from jesse's favorite maggie haberman mm. that the uh Interview that Alex Holder did specifically with Ivanka Trump is likely going to contradict the statements that she gave in her testimony at that first hearing with the January 6th committee.
3: Reporting from the New York Times undercuts what Ivanka Trump said during recorded testimony that aired during the first hearing. You might remember this comment.
8: I respect Attorney General Barr, um, so I accepted what he said, was saying.
3: I'm joined now by The New York Times' Maggie Haberman, who broke the story I'm talking about. Maggie, what are you learning about what Ivanka Trump was saying to cameras filming this documentary in the weeks leading up to January 6th that differed from what she told the committee?
4: Sure, Jake. So what she told the committee in that snippet, and we should just be clear, that's the only one of the few pieces that they've released so far. She sat for a much longer interview. We don't yet know what else is there, but from what they played publicly, she said that she was affected by Bill Barr, she respected him, et cetera. That was based on a statement that Bill Barr made on December 1st, 2020 to the Associated Press, where he said that there was no widespread fraud that had impacted the election. Contrary to what the president was saying at the time, President Trump, then President Trump, was furious with Barr for saying it. Nine days later, Um, according to uh, video that we have seen, um, Ivanka Trump was uh, recorded by this filmmaker in an interview with him, this person who was making some kind of a documentary uh, about Trump and about people around Trump, talking, you know, asked her response to Trump's uh, view of the election, and she endorsed the idea that he should continue fighting, that he should um, keep seeking every legal remedy. uh, Legal remedy were her words. She says now there's all of these, you know, questions um, that people have... Have about you know sort of the, the sanctity of the the electoral process, without mentioning the fact that her father's false claims are part of why people had these issues. She did not use the word fraud, Jake, at least in in, in what we heard, but she did sort of toe this line that was being articulated publicly. Uh, I don't know which one she really believed, um, but those were were words that would make her father very happy. And, you know, people around her often point to she was in a tough position. She certainly was, but it was a position she put herself in. And the the view of staff in the White House and in the campaign at that point was the family needed to be doing more to talk to Trump than they were. And instead it was left to other people to try to handle the mess.
3: Has Ivanka Trump responded to, to questions about this documentary video?
4: No, I reached out to an aide for her, and I have not heard back. I'm not sure that she will. Uh, It's also not clear what else is on their tapes, which were turned over to the committee today, and the filmmaker is supposed to be interviewed by the committee on Thursday.
2: So the next hearing, I believe, is Thursday the 23rd. Do you know if that's true?
0: I don't know. I, I I get my... My marching orders about the committee from you. So it sounds right. They've been going just about every other day.
2: Well, they have announced, actually, uh, the chairman, Benny Thompson, has announced that they are after this next hearing, which apparently is going to focus on uh, Donald Trump's efforts to uh, deploy the Justice Department uh, to help overturn the election.
0: It's the hearing I'm very, very interested in.
2: They are going to be... Um, pausing until July and then resume the schedule in in July. And this is partly because of what you just heard from Maggie Haberman. The footage from Alex Holder apparently has given them more evidence. Yeah. And then the uh, new documents from the National Archives have, have given them more evidence. And also they refer to a flood of new tips received during the first four public hearings. So they need to go through this evidence and then uh, possibly add more hearings to the schedule and come back in July. So I think after Thursday, there's going to be a little bit of a break while they go through some of this new evidence and then come back to the hearings.
0: So we want to know what you all have to think about this. Have you been watching? What are your takeaways? Do you disagree? Do you agree with whatever some of our analysis is or are? Uh, We'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609 is our voicemail number at which you can leave a fewer than three minute, and I say fewer because Google voicemail will cut you the fuck off.
2: (laughs) Well, I'll tell you who doesn't agree with the January 6th committee hearings, and that is Texas Republicans, Mm. because they announced their new platform.
0: Uh, Why? Shh. Even for Republicans, it is pretty nutty and they're just going full bore.
2: One of the things that uh, is in the new Texas Republican platform is that Joe Biden did not really win the election.
4: The Texas Republican convention met over the weekend, and the delegates there embraced a number of stances which signaled a rightward shift for the party's philosophy moving forward. Among other things, the convention voted to reject the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, called Joe Biden an illegitimate president, and called to repeal the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which was passed to stop discrimination of black Americans at the polls. Senator John Cornyn, the state senior Senator was also formul- formally rebuked for his involvement in the bipartisan gun safety measures. The Texas Senator's Friday night speech to the crowd was met with booze.
0: This is not sack shit. John Cornyn is a right wing ideologue goofball (laughs) and for them to boo him because he's not far right enough we're talking about idaho flavored politics oklahoma flavored politics obviously texas flavored republican politics
2: well do you know what film they chose to screen
0: I'm trying to think of that KKK movie back in the day.
2: <laughs> um, the Birth of a Nation. The Birth of a Nation.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, no, it was actually 2,000 Mules.
0: Oh, of course. Dinesh
2: D'Souza. The, yeah,
0: the, the, the 2,000 Mules That at the last hearing, Bill Barr had an uproarious <laughs> session of laughter about what a fucking joke the movie was.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Even Bill Barr, who covered for Donald Trump's fascism, for 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 a couple years, even he thinks Dinesh D'Souza is a dumb fuck who put out a stupid movie that is laughably incorrect. Yes. So
2: yeah, so that's where they are. Take
0: that on board, everybody.
2: <laughs> A scary time in our country for numerous reasons. And that is just one.
0: Well, the, the the other reason this is something that's ongoing. We've been talking about is different rulings from the Supreme Court. They are absolutely attempting to drag us back to an age uh, that none of us want to live in again, whether that be uh, abortion access or or Uh, they're, They're what is looking like to be an assault on marriage equality or access to contraception or the separation of church and state. We're talking about fundamental things here.
2: Well, they actually just struck down a main law that it in Maine it's meaning in the, the state, state, state of Maine. <laughs> realized it's as of those, I said that. It
0: wasn't a side law, it was yeah. a Maine law. This law was really Maine.
2: Uh yeah. So anyway, uh this law that they struck down in the state of Maine <laughs> <laughs> excluded most religious uh private schools from a voucher program that is in place in similar secular schools. So it was a 6-3 decision, and you may hear the case Carson versus Macon, I believe is how you say it. Um, And in the dissent, Justice Sonia Sotomayor specifically called out the erosion of the separation between church and state, writing, this court continues to dismantle the wall of separation between church and state that the framers fought to build.
9: Jose, yeah, we're waiting for Supreme Court decisions today. We've got two more yet to come, or one more yet to come, but the Supreme Court has just given a very interesting ruling on a case involving freedom of religion. This was a case from Maine, has an unusual program in order to let children who live in rural areas attend high school. They give money to parents who can then use that for tuition to send their children to either public or private schools, but the state has a law that said that money can't be used to send the children to what are called sectarian schools. Now, the Supreme Court has previously ruled that when states have a sort of scholarship program like this, they can't discriminate against schools that have a religious affiliation, that are just run by a religious group. This case takes it a step further and says if a state's going to give money for this kind of support, it also has to give it to uh, parents that can use their um, uh, send their children to schools that offer a religious education. So not just religious affiliation, but explicitly offer a religious education. The Supreme Court said it would violate religious freedom not to allow parents to use the money to send their children to religiously oriented schools, and it also said there is in a sense a kind of circuit breaker here because the money doesn't go directly to the schools, it goes to the parents who then decide where to send their children. So so it's, a, it's another step in, you might say, lowering the wall of separation between church and state. The Supreme Court taking this additional step here, saying that if a state's going to have this kind of a tuition program that has to allow the money to go to schools that offer a religious education, so that's state support for a religious education, and it's a six to three decision with the conservatives and the liberals dividing, and we've got one more decision to come today, Jose, we don't know what that case will be, but uh, we'll let you you know, and then we're going to get decisions again on Thursday. So far, the Supreme Court has 14 decisions yet to go, Jose.
2: So the logic behind this is that the law in the state of Maine requires that school-aged children have the right to free public education, but there are some people who may live in rural areas, for example, that may not have access to a public high school. And so, a workaround there then allows students to go to private schools with public assistance that may be religious. Right. And
0: So, not just like a school at a Christian church, but we're talking about a religious education Mm -hmm. where they may teach that Noah took dinosaurs on the ark and shit.
2: Yeah. So, basically what what the issue was is that uh, schools with religious instruction were not eligible for this program.
0: Right, as well they should not be because they are religious institutions and we have a separation of church and state in the first amendment of the constitution. But what do you expect to have happen when you have at least 3 off the rails religious nutter butters on the court, Samuel Alito, Amy Coney Barrett and Bart O'Kavanaugh. I mean not good, well,
2: and that's what uh, Justice Sotomayor continued to write in the dissent quote in just a few years, the court has upended constitutional doctrine." Uh, shifting from a rule that permits states to decline to fund religious organizations to one that requires states in many circumstances to subsidize religious indoctrination with ta- taxpayer dollars. And that really hits it right on the head because that is the case. I mean, sometimes these uh, school curriculums are are teaching, you know, that... Uh, Muslims are bad, yeah. or that uh, same-sex relationships are evil. I mean, those are the kinds of things that are now going to be funded.
0: Not even that. Divorce is evil. Contraception is evil. Abortion is evil. All of these things that just don't don't mesh with science, they, they're they're going to be taught and they're going to be publicly funded. They're going to be paid for by taxpayer dollars, government money. It, it, it's just it really makes me want you know like uh some of these organizations like the 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 luciferians or the church of satan or whatever you know they usually use their religious um uh the moniker of being a church to protest against like the 10 commandments or even abortion they need to step up and then start getting public dollars to support the Church of Satan, and see how quickly Bart O 'Cavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and fucking Samuel Alito are going to be okay with that.
2: Well, I'm sure they would find some sort of legal <laughs> solution that would somehow exclude of course. that from being yeah. an option. But as you heard, there are opinions that are still coming down. I think the term ends at the beginning of July or the end of June, I'm not sure, but the decision on Roe still hasn't come out. I think that opinions are coming out tomorrow, Thursday the 23rd. So it's another day where we are kind of in this, uh, like hellish game show country that we live in, where we're waiting for our, um, millions of people to lose their constitutional right to abortion because just on the whim of five people who get to decide that, yeah. um, we are going to be finding out what's happening with Roe v. Wade in, in a matter of, of days so prepare yourselves for that
0: we'd love to know what you think we're going to end it there six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine of course you can email a voice memo a brief voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com if you are interested in supporting the show supporting what we do here we would invite you to go to patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast there you can choose a tier and donate on a monthly basis or at a discounted rate on a yearly basis And we would invite you to consider that. We love you guys. We appreciate you very much. And we'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt